أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد الحمد لله all praises to Allah who guided us to this, who guided us to Islam and to Iman and to his Mubarak house on this Mubarak hour of this Mubarak day. And we were not to be guided. Was it not that Allah had guided us? These are sentences that are read and repeated ritualistically both in the Arabic language and in English if you are in a place where people are so inclined. However, one gets the feeling from time to time that they're spoken formulaically and that they've lost meaning amongst certain people. Judging others is not our job. Even if we were to attempt to do it, we're not going to do a good job at it. <coughs> Neither did Allah Ta'ala command us to judge others, nor will we be able to even if we try. So leave that aside for a second. This is just a reminder for each of us, for ourselves. For me, for myself, and for those who are here to listen for ourselves. That one of the essential components of any act of worship. When I say act of worship, in particular, in particular we're talking about ritual acts of worship. For example, if somebody gives an act of charity, gives a sadaqah to a poor person. This is <coughs> not what I'm talking about. Why? Because you give somebody money because they're hungry, they buy food, it all makes sense. The entire transaction makes sense to a person. Whereas, for example, salat, it's not immediately obvious how salat is helping you. It's not immediately obvious that Jum'ah should be two rak'ahs instead of three or four, or that it should be on a Friday or that it should be prayed in a particular way. The only reason we hold this particular form of Jumu'ah, for example, is because we are told by the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because we trust him when he said that he is the Messenger of Allah. The Salat is a ritual form of worship. The fasting is a ritual form of worship. One of the key components of the validity and the benefit of any ritual form of, uh, any ritual form of Worship, in particular, other forms of worship in general, but ritual forms of worship in particular, is the i'tiqad, the belief that a person, what they're doing, it has some sort of benefit in it. That it has some sort of holiness in it. It has something, some, something sacred about it. Otherwise, if a person doesn't have this i'tiqad, it doesn't have their, this belief inside of their heart that what I'm doing is actually important. What I'm doing is worthwhile. What I'm doing is worth coming from work. It's worth missing an hour or two of pay. It's worth missing out on the company lunch. It's worth missing out going on the school field trip. It's worth all of these things. I'm getting something better from this than other people are getting from what they're doing. If you don't have that feeling inside, then maybe it's, it is a waste of time. And the Rasul himself, he chastised a man who 
waits until the end of the time of Salat, until the time of the Salat is about to end, and then prays very quickly. And he described the quick prayer like the nukrat al-diq, like the, the diq, the rooster, like the rooster, the way it pecks the floor. It's an extremely fast move. That, the, that he described the, the, the raka'ah of a person who's trying to just speed through their salat at the end of the time as like a rooster pecking a seed off of the floor. Obviously, a rooster pecking the seed off the floor is not going to inspire anybody. A rooster pecking a seed off of the floor is not going to move somebody. Nobody looks at that as ideal or as something that stirs the heart to a higher state. It's in fact quite the opposite, quite mundane and quite uninspiring. <coughs> Brothers and sisters, the ta'zim and the magnification of your deen and your rituals has to do with your practice and your belief. I cannot bring that practice on your behalf, nor can you bring that practice on my behalf. That magnification, that tawqir inside of the heart, the considering of these things having gravity, nobody can do that for you. It has to do with your connection between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It has nothing to do with how fancy the recitation is, has nothing to do with how moving and stirring the preaching of the preachers are, has nothing to do with how fancy the masjid is. The most Mubarak masjid in the history of this ummah was the masjid of the Prophet and the most Mubarak time of that masjid was what? The time in which it didn't even have a roof. The time in which it had no carpets. The time where, in which they used to make sajda in the, in the dirt on the floor. If we were asked to make sajda in a masjid like that, we probably would think twice. The imam would say, Allahu Akbar, and then we'd look at the dirt and say, oh my God, what am I going to do right now? I've prayed in masajid like that. Those thoughts have crossed my mind as well. I'm not going to pretend I'm better than anybody else. But the idea is what? Still, the barakah of one sajda in that masjid was more than the barakat of a sajda anywhere else. The hadith are many about the virtues of praying in the masjid of the Prophet ﷺ, but it should be sufficient to the logic of a believer that in that masjid was the Rasul of Allah Ta'ala that Muhammad he's not the father of any of your men and he's not like a normal person that you have some respect for or a normal leader rather he's the messenger of Allah Allah Ta'ala sent him and he's the seal of the Prophet This is something every one of us has to do on our own. Nobody can do it on somebody else's behalf. No matter how pious your father is, he cannot do it for you. No matter how pious your sheikh is, he cannot do it for you. No matter how pious your imam is, he cannot do it for you. Everybody has to bring this tawkhir and this gravity, this magnification for themselves. They have to make arrangement for it for themselves. They have to make choices in their own life in order to foster and make this thing grow inside. Because people oftentimes say, oh sheikh, you know, what do I do? I'm not feeling, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. My iman is weak. My iman is weak. So we ask the mashaykh, what do we say to somebody who says my iman is weak? They say your iman is connected and is protected by your own deeds. So go. Sit in the masjid for 10 days in i'tikaf. Fast by day and pray by night. 
and then tell me, has something changed inside of your Iman? Obviously, it's going to change. If it's not happening, if you don't feel this thing inside of your heart, it is as a man, it is your duty to pick yourself up and to do something to make that change inside of your heart rather than waiting for somebody else to do it for you or for something else to happen for you. Even though the sisters are here in the sisters section, yes, there are some good qualities of men that you should also engender inside of your heart. Just like there are some good qualities of women as well that men can take a lesson from. This is a good quality of a man. Is what? Pick yourself up and make it happen for yourself. Because I promise you, if you wait for somebody else to make it happen, that somebody else is not going to appear. If you wait for a time for it to magically happen, that time is not going to magically appear. This Ramadan that passed, there are people who used to fast every day and pray Tarawih every night. This, this Ramadan that passed, there are people who didn't fast even one day. Not because of any sickness or any valid excuse. There are people who came in and there are people who exited. There are people who held fast and there are people who let the rope slip from between their fingers. And the people of belief are الَّذِينَ يُمَسِّكُونَ بِالْكِتَابِ وَأَقَامُ الصَّلَاةِ Those people who what? Not just they held on to the book of Allah Ta'ala يُمَسِّكُونَ they, they held on for dear life. It's an intensive and emphatic form that Allah Ta'ala describes the people of belief and the people of success as possessing. And I promise you, as the days go on, you'll find yourself in the same masjid, you'll look to your left and you'll look to your right, people may not, may not have these priorities. Inshallah, Allah Ta'ala, fill our masajid with iman, and fill the ummah with iman, and with righteousness, with salah. But if you find yourself in a time, in a, in a place, where even the imam himself is uninspiring, even the imam himself, you get the idea, and you don't know what's in someone's heart, leave it to Allah Ta'ala, but the idea crosses your mind that the imam himself doesn't care. Still, this is about something deeper than that. This is about your connection between you and Allah Ta'ala. The ritual form of the prayer, as long as it's being observed. The Imam made wudu, he prayed two raka'ahs, he read the Fatiha. The ritual form of the prayer is being observed. The rest of it is Allah Ta'ala, his responsibility in between Allah and the Imam or between Allah and the Jama'ah. Your job is what? To come, to bring your share of this tawkhir, of this veneration of the deen of Allah Ta'ala. Why do I mention this right now? Why do I mention this? It's something that it's, I think, worth mentioning, inshallah, and, you know, whenever. It's a valid reminder for a believer whenever and wherever. However, in particular, <coughs> something I've mentioned from before, I'm, I don't like bringing up politics or current events in the khutbah in, in Jumu'ah because the masjid people come to remember those things that are eternal and unchanging. But sometimes it's good for the believers to take a lesson from what happens. There was a Palestinian journalist who was assassinated very violently, very brutally in front of the eyes of the world. She was a Christian woman. She had a blue press vest. It clearly said press. And an Israeli sniper shot her in the face. It's one of the most disgusting crimes a person could think of. This woman herself, she claimed that her entire reason for taking these risks and for doing this job, which was not an easy job and definitely not a rewarding job in terms of material reward, was to bring the truth to people about what was, what's going on in the occupation in a time where even that's suppressed. And one can admire this. 
And one can say about such a woman that this was an admirable work she did and it was an admirable, uh, admirable goal that she had. And one can say about such a woman as well that her community can be proud of her. She was an Arab, the Arabs can be proud of her. She was a Christian, the Christians can be proud of her as well. However, as an emotional knee-jerk reaction, many of our Muslim brothers and sisters, ah, she's a shahida, she's a martyr. Allah yarhamuha, Allah have mercy on her. Brothers and sisters, the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa forbade this. Saying such things is not going to free Palestine. I promise you, it's not going to free Palestine. It will do not a, not a darn thing to help the cause of Palestine to be free. To end the occupation. It will not do anything for that. Such a statement also dishonors her memory as well. Why? Because she chose to be a Christian. She had an opportunity to be a Muslim her entire life. She chose to be a Christian. And now what are you doing? You're saying the benedictions of the Muslims on her? This is dishonoring her choice as well. And most tragically, what does a person do when they do something like this? The Israelis assassinated this poor innocent woman for trying to tell the truth to the world. Why is it because of our emotional outrage we assassinate our own deen? Our own deen? Allah Ta'ala said in his book, in his Quran, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُوا and يُشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُوا مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ in, indeed, Allah Ta'ala doesn't forgive that a person should associate partners with him. And all other sins below that, in the absence of that sin, Allah Ta'ala may forgive to whoever he wills. This is the book of Allah Ta'ala. This has nothing to do with this woman in particular. This verse wasn't revealed just for this woman. God knows what the secret of people's heart is. When you read Aqidah, the Muslims, their books of Aqidah are replete with this. There are people who die with Iman and they're Sincere, there are people who die with Islam and they're fakers. There are people who die in other religions. They carry some secret inside of their heart. We're not commanded to speculate about that. The point is she died on her millah. Leave her to her millah. And leave her to her Allah Ta'ala to be judged. I'm not saying ill about her. Have I spoken ill about her? No. I'm not saying anything bad about her. I'm saying she chose to be a Christian. She died as a Christian. Leave it alone. What is the connection between what I talked about? About the ta'zim and the veneration of Jum'ah in this matter. Your aqidah, your deen has some sort of meaning to you. If it is so cheap that because of emotional distress or because of political fervor, you're willing to throw your own deen under the bus, you're willing to throw the value of your own iman under the bus to the point where you Make the millah of somebody who worships a man versus the millah of somebody who worships Allah alone and without any partner equal. This is something I cannot help you with, you cannot help me with, except for what there are imams and there are imams and masajid that we see that they're equivocating about things like this. There are people in their emotional outbursts, they're equivocating about things like this. All I can say is, what am I going to stand up and make takfir of people or am I going to stand up and say, this person's bid'ah and that person? No. The truth is clearer than, than, than the light of day. This doesn't require any sort of specialist. You know and I know. You understand and I understand. Maybe there are some people who disagree with me. It's very clear. A person is free to choose what they want to. You're not going to be able to straighten out every, sort of, every, every mess, every dumpster fire that happens in the ummah. All I can tell you is that there are certain very simple realities of Islam. Everybody is mukallaf. Everybody is morally and legally responsible to understand. 
And this is one of those realities that you're responsible to understand and I'm responsible to understand that the only thing, the only thing that makes you eligible for salvation on the day of judgment is your Iman, your faith in Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the form that was brought by the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That's the only thing we have. And just like it will look bad, if I stand up in front of a crowd of people, especially of different religions, if I say what I say, it will look bad. The Christians will say, look at this guy, he's a hate preacher. I'm not a hate preacher, but they'll say it anyway. They'll say it anyway. We know they'll say it anyway. It'll look bad. Maybe I'd be best to shut up in such a situation rather than cause a problem. Maybe, I don't know. However, I remind you, I remind you, there's another majlis, there's another gathering that we're all going to have to attend as well called Yom Al-Qiyamah in which the awwaleen and the akhirin, the ancient ones and the ones who come after, all of them will be there. The insan, the jinn, all of them will be there. The angels will be there. The creation of Allah Ta'ala, which you never thought existed, all of them will be there. In that majlis, if you equivocate about your iman, I promise you it's going to look a lot worse than saying that a Christian is a Christian, they're not a Muslim. And that we don't say the benedictions of the deceased of the Muslims upon people of different religions. I promise you it's going to look very bad in that majlis. A person's iman is what? They're remembering that day that's going to come one way or another, whether you like it or not. And keeping it inside their heart that what I say today is going to be replayed on that day. And I'm going to have to own up to it. So let every person say something that will look good on that day, that they'll be proud on, the, of that, on that day. That the Nabi will be proud of on that day. That your forefathers will be proud of on that day. That forget about all of, all of the creation that Allah Ta'ala will be happy and proud of and boast in front of His angels about on that day. And let not a person say a word or do a deed that they'll be ashamed of on that day. If it happened from any of us, and it definitely happened from me, we all ask Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala, you forgive us before the slips that we made. And that you shore up our book of deeds and you erase from, from it those things that we repent for right now in this moment. And that you write in the, its place good deeds and give us the tawfiq to do the acts of those people that you love. But if you see other people not taking that route, don't take that route with them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give all of us tawfiq. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala rasulihi sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Barakallahu feekum. Inshallah you can take a couple of minutes for your sunnahs.